0: Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks.
1: Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest and friend in Mr. David Shirky, who is a passive mobile home park investor David is the director of strategy at Orbitform, which is his, family's, his family-owned manufacturing business. Uh, he has worked at Orbitform for over 15 years in capacities including the CFO, project manager, engineer, and as a regional sales manager. Uh, he currently serves as Orbitform's director of strategy where he leads growth initiatives, including new product lines, new services, new acquisitions, and other investments. Uh, Prior to joining Orbitform, David worked at Chrysler as a manufacturing engineer and production supervisor in several Chrysler facilities across the U.S. Uh, David, David also leads the Shirky Family Office and as part of the family's second generation. His role within the family includes identifying and researching investment opportunities, tracking investments, financial reporting to the family, and others. Uh, David received his MBA from the University of Colorado in Boulder, and he received his BSMS in Mechanical Engineering from Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan. David, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Hey, uh, thank you very much, Andrew. That was a nice intro, and um, I'm glad to be here.
1: Awesome. Uh, Well, let's jump right into some questions. Uh, How did you find the Mobile Home Park Asset Class, and what triggered you to start investing in the space?
0: Yeah, um, I had gotten into the alternative investment space in about 2017, and after meeting different people, I eventually met a guy named uh, Jeremy Roll, and um, and Jeremy kind of introduced the space to me as an idea. And after having made some investments in um, multifamily apartments and other real estate arenas, um, I kind of just started looking into the mobile home park space. And, uh, and after I spent a couple hours and read a couple documents and watched a couple videos, you know, back in 2017, um, I decided it was worth the further, further analysis. And now there's a lot more resources, you know, than there was in 2017. But uh, that's how I got started. Just from a reference from another, I guess, uh, alternative investor. Very
1: cool. Very cool. And how many mobile home park deals have you invested in to date?
0: So far, I actually brought a little map with me and just to kind of, uh, in case you asked that question, um, got a little map here. And um, so right now, um, 10 different investments. Wow. um, Two more are on the docket, you know, for the near term, but so far 10, Um, and one of those is a fund and the rest are all um, direct, you know, parks indications.
1: Okay, and would you mind touching on that? Uh, you know, do you prefer one or the other—the syndication or fund route—or do you invest in REITs? Uh, you know, what, what's, your prefer- what's your preference? I guess
0: my preference is is the single park or specific, maybe small portfolio investment versus a fund. I don't. I'm not anti fund. I guess I would. I wouldn't say I'm anti fund but um, maybe I'm a little more hands-on or a little more interested in the unique factors of a, of a single MHP acquisition. But, uh, but I think the funds are okay too.
1: Okay, and would you, would you mind elaborating a little bit on that? Uh, just because I think new people to the space might not understand the specifics. I guess maybe your hopes are that the, you, know, you can research a specific property, the tangible real estate and the market and kind of make your own call on if it could be a a home run or not versus we're in a fund, you're kind of just pulled in and, you know, the operators make that decision or what do you like specific about the syndication, the syndication route?
0: Well, I think at first that's right. You know, I want I wanted to dive into the details on each of the locations and each of the markets. And, but I think as I've gone along now, I'm just trying to, um, work with trusted, trusted operators. Mm -hmm. And so like, for example, I mean, Andrew, if you came out with a fund, I mean, I would probably consider it, you know, because we've done some business together and, um, and actually a a sponsor that I've done some investing with in New York state is coming out with a fund right now and probably going to seriously consider that because they're making a business decision to move their fundraising into that method. But I would say, in the last 3 years i've focused on the direct syndications just because i've been more of a hands on investor and um, and like to know the specifics of each investment
1: gotcha gotcha yeah you've kind of made your own fund right your your fund of 10 properties or 10 investments right could be yeah could be... i guess you can
0: say that which i don't which i don't think i'm not sure most are all Passive investors maybe can do that. You know, maybe I feel very blessed that I have maybe a little time and a little bit of I'm able to put some attention to this. But um I think a lot of passive investors, it might need to maybe pick one trusted, one trusted operator and or one trusted fund and kind of just deploy capital there. Um, Stick with not that. not everybody can spend more time maybe I've like been able to um, on the space.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What does your due diligence process look like when you're, you know, looking into a new operator? Well,
0: with a new operator, um, it would involve just. Um, I'd like to just talk to them, you know. At first, you know, don't do a whole lot of background checks or anything at first. Just kind of talk and ask. I like to ask questions from different angles and see. See, you know, if you ask the, if you ask a similar question over a couple of different ways and a 30 or 60 minute phone call. It's just nice to hear how people answer kind of the same thing, different ways. Um, and then of course, you know, you, you see who you're connected with. Um, and you, you might ask for some referrals directly from the operator, but then you also just kind of reach out to people who you think probably are aware of them or know them. And, uh, I have never done an official background check. Like I, I've never done an official criminal background check. Um, I haven't taken that route. Um, but ask for referrals and call the referrals, and then just ask other people that you think might know them is a pretty good way. Obviously, if there's a track record that you can verify, that's very very helpful. And I think now there's there's enough you know kind of MHP operators who are raising money. That um, that do have track records. That are looking for, um, you know, fifty, a hundred, hundred thousand dollar investors that you can that you can kind of vet them out and check them out.
1: That's you no know, probably the top of the top of the process. Totally, totally. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, when it comes to you know a, a deal specific, you know, like a syndication, would you mind going through maybe just the top things you look into? Uh, you know, when you're presented with, uh, you know, the details or pro forma or offering memorandum?
0: Sure, sure. Usually I just do a couple of a very well-known simple things, you know, like you do the, you do the Walmart check or you do the fast food, you know, check. Um, those are a couple of things to just see if it stands out, you know, either pro or con, that's a good thing. And then, some, I even sometimes will do like the uh, look for apartments, or look for homes for sale in the vicinity. And um, I've, you know, sometimes I've even uh, even called some realtors. This Some of the locations, if it's a little bit more small townish or remote, there might not be a whole lot of listings online. But, uh, you know, you can call a local realtor and ask if they know of any homes for lease or for rent. Um, and it gives you a little signal on uh, on that market. Um those are a couple of the steps I take. And then, you know, there's higher level things like the, but you know, I think before I would even dive into things, if it's in a, if it's in like a litigious state, or if you know it's landlord unfriendly, um, you might just not really even dive too far into that analysis. Um, and of course, this is all after, I feel like I can trust the uh, operator in the first place, because um, I guess that's where I start at least, it's, um the person you're kind of uh, placing a bet on. Um, and then after that's, if you're com- after you're comfortable with that, then you start looking more at the actual you know, location and the, the park um, makeup. And, you know, if you believe the operator can, can improve the place or not, or if it's a stable versus a value add, you know, you kinda, there's different things you gotta analyze, you know, for those different factors.
1: Totally, totally, yeah. And I mean, compared to <clears throat> you know our kind of avatar investor, you know, I would say most of them know uh, a little bit about the space. But you know, I know that because I attended the same uh, Frank and Dave boot camp that you did. I know that you you know are are more hands on. But I think your tips that you gave there, you know, probably would take you know a couple hours at most. Uh, but they could be very, very valuable, you know, calling a realtor, you know, that that is grown up and has a huge business in that town would be a great way to tell if, is there a need for affordable housing in this market? I mean, that's like, you can change a lot about a piece of real estate, right? But you can't really change the, the number of jobs that are available. So I love that. That's a good tip. Uh, have you been involved in a mobile home park deal that went bad? And, you know, if so, what what went south so
0: far at least as far as I'm aware none of them have gone really bad yet um it's funny we happen to have an investment that happens to be one of your parks is very close to one of the parks I invested in as a passive investor so um that one is in a you know pretty rough town in the midwest and um that's been the most uh, interesting stories (laughs) have come out of that park investment, but, but it really hasn't gone bad. It's just, I think it's been a little bit harder for the operator than they had planned, but it's cash flowed And I mean, they're making distributions. They haven't had a capital call.
1: I mean, so it's going okay. Yeah. I wouldn't call that a uh, bad deal. I mean, that's, and I know the park you're, you're referencing. So, you know, I can speak on, on behalf of that, but, they bought it at a really good price they you know it's just it's a rough rougher kind of park compared to uh you know the typical park you'd like to see but you know
0: so so i so honestly i'm looking at my map here again uh you, <laughs> and i don't um no none of those have really been a disaster yet um i have one multi uh, multifamily apartment investment that's has had some trouble, but none of the mobile home park investments. Um, at least as far as I know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you, can you maybe shed some light on the multifamily one that that went South and, you know, just kind of what led up to that? Sure. So I, i am invested in
0: four uh, multifamily apartment deals, um, two different operators and the, um, one is the one that's having challenges is near Houston. And, you know, I, I think it was a combination of, I think it's mostly, this was this guy's uh, second, um, second time being in the leadership role, like driving the bus. And um, I, I just think he might've got, it's like a 400 or 500 unit department. And I, um, I, think, I think he just a little over his head. So I think that was the main thing. I think he just a little bigger than uh, than he was ready to handle. And, um, and then they have actually been getting quite a few. Um, it was going a little bit shaky pre this spring. And then it seems like maybe he didn't have that good or him and the management didn't have a very good relationship with the tenants. And so the tenants are really flexing their, uh, what do you call it, that uh, CDC CARES Act or the CDC yeah. uh, rent. Thing they're you know, and if you don't have a good relationship with your clients or tenants, I think you're going to have more of them are going to flex that ability. So oh, totally. That's that's the acute, that's the current acute issue that's going on right there. Um, but I think it's yeah. just overset, a little overset.
1: Yeah. What's your preferred uh, communication? You know, from your GPS that you, you partner with. You know, do you do you have a preferred method? Do you you know, or, or what what is. Uh, you know, what are the great operators doing and then what are the uh, not so great operators doing on the communication side of things?
0: Sure. I'd say, uh, quarterly is, is, is more than enough. I mean, I think even if there was a twice a year, you know, one page report and maybe even just a quarterly email, just, uh, you know, if anything major is going on good or bad, um, That'd be good to know, but I think quarterly would be the most uh, an operator should feel like they need to communicate. Um, and yeah, I think even twice a year would be would be okay, um, unless there's just some surprise. If there's a surprise. I think bad news doesn't get better with age, and so you just want to get it out there and let let people absorb it first. Um, just trying to surprise them after it's been building up for a while, and I it, it's a delicate balance because. You know, once you're in, you're in. I mean, <laughs> it's not like these are liquid markets, you know. And and so I I think that's something that a lot of passive investors struggle with. Maybe is um, you know you you send somebody a lot of money, and but you don't. But, but you have to have to realize that you know your decision's been made, and and you probably don't have any even. I don't even have any means of. Um, changing the direction if you even want to, but you know, based on the operating agreement and the structure. Um, so I think it's just a, it's something that you learn as you, after you make some investments. And, um, but again, fortunately I haven't had any situations where I even wanted to try to intervene or, <laughs> or get in the sure. way, but, yeah. but I think it's just a, it's something you learn at going from um, maybe your job first into a passive investment role.
1: Yeah, no, totally. What would you say, you know, would be, uh, you know, a mistake that you made? It doesn't have to be a specific investment. It, maybe it was a, a entity set up or, or, you know, maybe too big of an investment into an hmm. operator, you know, yeah. with your first deal. You know, what what would you say on, on that question?
0: Okay. Um, this is actually the same part that we were talking about before. Um, I, I now I'm only going to invest when I really know, and I can verify that mobile home parks are this operator's full-time deal. Like the park in Indiana that you and I are neighbors in. Um, I just didn't have that as a filter or I didn't do a good enough job. And those, those guys, you know, this isn't their full-time deal. This is kind of like, um, a side project for them to try to manage this park and, um, so I, I I applaud their efforts because I know it's not their full time job, um, but like someone like yourself, you know, you've chosen to dedicate yourself to building a mobile home park enterprise, um, mobile home park ownership management enterprise. And so um, I didn't have that as an, a strong enough filter maybe um, when I when I did this uh, first one I was
1: investment.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So now I want to really know. Is the person I'm trusting or counting on? Is this like their? Are they going to live, eat, and breathe the MHP world and this part in particular?
1: Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great filter there. Would you mind sharing you know some more of those filters, maybe just like the top few? Because I think that's that's the golden nuggets that our listeners could could really get value well, out of.
0: Okay, um, well, that's one is just do I really believe that <clears throat> they're I don't want to say their life depends on it, but their but their professional their professional reputation. You know, they're they're committed to becoming. You know, to, to be to the MHP space would be one of the big filters. Um, I guess after that, I guess now you're coming. You're getting down to some of the, I guess the property attributes, or you're getting down to the um, operating agreement and deal structure. Um, Again, everything's relative, you know, but I, I really, I really feel, I I have a hard time when some of the things these days are getting, when they're getting like, um, again, everything's relative. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, you know, any people should get the terms they can get, but um, when it gets to be more than 50-50, you know, between the LP and the GPs, um, I don't know, just doesn't quite feel quite right to me me and um i do like to see a preferred return um i like to see a path that uh the cash is gonna kind of be going to the limited partners before a whole lot of upside comes back to the general partner um in general um you know there's there's fees and there's a lot of work that goes into the front to the front side of these deals and so um there's a market for uh you know, for fees and um, acquisition fees and management fees, but I do like to see um, a good proportion of the cash flow going to limited partners before the general partner hits their big. Uh, I don't know if their big hits their big win on on their side.
1: Sure. Yeah. If that no, makes that, that makes sense. Yeah. Totally.
0: Um, but but one thing that's unique, people might be interested, is you know, there's there's a lot fewer really good experienced mobile home park operators that are raising money from passive investors than there are multifamily apartment building, you know, operators, indicators. So, so people who have a good operators in the MHP space, um, they hold a lot of cards in this arena. And so I think that's, it's just just the reality of
1: investing in the space. It it really is. And, you know, I, I had a call yesterday with a gentleman that, you know, said, Hey, I got, I got half a million dollars and I want to invest it before the end of the year. You know, I need, I need depreciation. And it's like, you know, you got a, you got a timeline there that he's trying to you know, save on some taxes. Yeah. Would you shed some light on the depreciation benefits you've seen through your investments and, you know, how they, how, you know, on your mobile home park investments and how they measure up compared to other asset classes?
0: Sure. Well, One of the things some mobile home parks definitely have you know some depreciation um i i have i guess i have a lot of variety of things that i've invested in and like when i compare the depreciation we might get from investing in a business that has a lot of capital equipment um that's like ultimate you know depreciation in today's you know tax world like we can write off 100 of that stuff um and then when it comes to the mhp space um depending on, you know, what's involved in the park, you know, whether it's got, you know, valuable infrastructure and things that are park owned. Um you know, I, I look at a mobile home park as usually being able to write off 25 to 40% maybe of the investment in the first year. And then okay. then it you know, that's kind of my probably my rule of thumb, which is which is great. Which is great. Um, but I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say I look at MHPs as like the ultimate tax shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a it's a good tax shelter. You know totally. other, other spaces where you totally. where you have more um, I guess more uh, hard more hard costs. You know, like okay. you have buildings and you have you, you know but MHP sometimes you have less of that uh, versus the total purchase cost from my perspective.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I've do you agree yeah. do you do you agree or no I, I agree I mean I guess I've not been in the the buying uh, you know existing manufacturing businesses you know I'm sure that depreciation is a, a lot different but uh, yeah it's just always interesting to me to kind of compare how mobile home parks measure up you know to uh, to other options out there so um, but yeah this this specific investor that reached out to me uh, you know one of his filters, was that he required the deal that he invests in that they get a cost segregation study done. Oh, sure. Uh, You know, and, and we get those done every year, but you know, that was like a filter that he made sure to check off the list because, uh, you know, for their bonus depreciation, you know, benefit, uh, you know, either he writes a check to the IRS or he, you know, writes a check, uh, from, to make an investment. So that was, that was a, a interesting conversation because, uh, you know, some people invest strictly on the depreciation, you know, expectations. Yeah.
0: So. And, I, and that makes a lot of sense. But I mean, I'm and I'm sure this investor also. The first filter is: Do they believe in the investment?
1: Sure, and the and operator. If they do, yeah. How does it rank?
0: How does it rank? How does it rank in their, um, you know, tax mitigation plan? Oh, but definitely. I think it's. I think people need to be careful about not. Not just looking at the depreciation factor. Like I mean, you can go out and invest in all kinds of oil drilling operations and <laughs> mines and man, you'll get you get a ton of depreciation, but man, you better be careful um, oh, yeah. that oh, it yeah. might not pay off <laughs> yeah. down the road.
1: Yeah, totally. And I know you uh we we talked once about the ATM investing and the depreciation available there and, and how that has and a pretty good investment, uh, you know, from our previous conversation. Uh, would yep. you mind sharing a little bit about that? And, and maybe, you know, sharing just some other, uh, you know, alternative investments that, you know, people looking at mobile home parks should also be looking at.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, it's been pretty interesting because, um, you know, back in 2017, when I kind of made some of my first in alternative investments and deployed capital for our, for our overall family. Um, uh, ATM portfolios were one of the first things I got involved in and man, people thought I was crazy um, um, for years, but then some people that, you know, like in 2020 have come out with, have launched funds for the same ATM portfolio deals that, I told them about in 2017, <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I really enjoyed that a lot. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad because it kind of makes you feel good, you know, people you respect, kind of. Um. But uh, that's been kind of kind of neat to see, and so, um, in fact, I think there's there's a couple well known um, alternative investment syndicators that, like, the only thing they brought out in 2020 is the ATM funds because they're spooked that, you know, other asset classes are, you know, priced too high and cap rates are too low and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's one that's been kind of interesting. Um, just, I mean, I don't want to bore anybody, but, uh, you know, <laughs> on the other side of the coin, um, we I invested in some check cashing machines. <laughs> and so, and it's, it's kind of akin to the ATM investment. Um, you do get really, really great, um, initial depreciation because it's a machine it's capital equipment you can write off 100 percent of it first year um and it also involves you know people transacting for cash um anyway i don't want to bore you with that story but no um, that's that's, that's of, great
1: that's and that's then, the uh, kind of stuff that people don't you know don't initially think of when they think of making a a passive investment sure and
0: then um a couple of other interesting things, at least from my perspective, um, you know, I've got some cryptocurrency um, investments and then um, some th- something called life settlements. It's kind of different where you're, you know, you're buying the death benefit of other people's life insurance policies. So that's, that's a whole other rabbit trail. But uh, again, if you're looking to me, if you're looking for things that are um, not correlated to, the stock market or GDP or inflation um, which the mobile home park space kind of has some of those characteristics um, that's why like things like life settlements are have been on my radar screen
1: and that's ATMs awesome. that's awesome thank you for sharing those I appreciate that um, so what what matters going back to mobile home parks you know yeah. what matters most to you you know when you when you make an investment? Uh, like if you were going to boil it down to maybe one or two things, you know, what matters most prior to you, you know, agreeing to make an investment?
0: Well, I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but I mean, what matters most is do I believe in the in the person that I think is most important to deal with all the unknowns that might arise? Um, that's by far the, the main thing. Do uh, you know, do, I, do I know who the person is and do I believe that they're gonna do their best <laughs> when 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 bad things happen or when good things happen because good things could happen and they might try to hide it and might try to like you know you know you might you know they might try to shelter some of the findings or something, some of the positives. Um, so I think that's the, that's by far the main thing. I mean, I've already. I think. I think after that, it, like, I've already kind of decided what spaces to look at. I mean, the spaces that we I'm open for are are MHP, multifamily. Those are pretty much the only two that for passive investing I'm really looking at in these days. Um, I mean, I would I'd be open to an industrial, a warehouse, you know, real estate investment, but I just, I just haven't. Cultivated relationships in that arena, um, right? You know, to this extent. And then for for our for we also have you know like you mentioned we we buy manufacturing businesses, but that's more of not so passive. That's more of active investing. That's our main business. And but those are the only things that I'm really open to right now: um, operating companies, uh, mobile home parks, and multifamily apartment buildings.
1: Very cool. Um, I, let's see here. I just had a few more questions. Um, when you invest, do you guys you know choose to invest like through an entity or personally or you know for someone that wants to make their first investment in the space, you know would you have any sort of obviously you know you're not an, an attorney, but what would you kind of what, what did you do so that maybe someone can learn from that?
0: Sure um yeah the majority of our investments um have been either through um a holding company llc or through a family trust and the only real difference is again i don't want to bore you but some people might be interested i mean the only difference is that the family trust was set up um basically to help us um reduce our tax liability when my parents you know um, pass away and So that, but, but it's really the same. It's really the same. They both have, um, they both, I'm not really sure. I don't really know if the trust has any liability protection necessarily, honestly. Um, But the LLC certainly, LLC method certainly does. Um, And plus it just kinda, I think it's helpful. Like I'm managing investments for not just myself, but others in our family. And so I can be the manager of an LLC holding company and then I can make all the decisions and I can sign documents and I can, you know, do certain things like that. That it helps to organize, um,
1: organize the holdings. Um, so that would, that would be. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Uh, David, what, what other important things should passive investors know about the mobile home park asset class that I didn't mention?
0: Well, I, you know, one of the things I thought it might be, be interesting to talk about is like if you're interested in the space, um like what do you do to start? Like what do you do to start learning about it? Because probably for a lot of people, it's they don't have a whole lot of knowledge or awareness of loan parks before they before they um before they start investing. You know, I, I think I think your podcast, you're you're putting out a lot of pretty valuable content for people to learn and like the due diligence checklist that you offer on your podcast is really invaluable for folks. And then um, I guess it just depends how serious they're gonna be about it because if they're, depending on their level of investment, I mean, maybe to them, some people, you know, investing $50,000 is like a really, really, really big deal. And some people, 5 million might be a really, really, really big deal. And so um, whatever that is for each investor, we gotta decide, am I really gonna try to, am I really gonna evaluate Andrew Keel from 360 degrees, you know, am I going to try to figure yeah. out who this guy is or am I just going to roll the dice and, um, um, so that might be, again, I don't necessarily have, I don't want to say what their best method is, but I, I'm open for people if they wanted to ask me for my thoughts, I'd be open to sharing, yeah. you know, how i went about researching the space. Um, but honestly, starting with someone just listening to some of the well-known podcasts, and um, and now you have this one, so uh, people could listen to yours and some others, and that would probably be a really, really good starting place.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And last question, uh, you know, how could people find operators to invest through? I know that you spent quite a bit of time on this to like, you know, find these, these, these operators in the mobile home park space, because like you said, there's not as many of them in the MHP space compared to multifamily and other asset classes. So would you mind just sharing a couple of those ways that you've found uh, different operators?
0: You know, you can kind of find some, you can find some lists. Um, I don't have it on top of my mind right now, but I know you, you know, there's some ways to get like uh Lists of top 100 operators, mobile home park operators, and um, and you know I I would say you start looking for the ones that maybe don't look like they're too huge. Like look for look for operators that have between one and ten parks that they currently own or manage, and um, some of them might have websites that have investor questionnaires on their websites. A lot of them won't, and um, Depending on how intense you want to be about this, um, maybe sign up for the sign up for the groups that do have the questionnaires for investors and see what you can learn. And then email and call some of the ones that don't and just state your interest and ask if you know. Do you ever raise money for acquisitions from um, passive investors? Um, there's not really a clearinghouse, I wouldn't say. I mean, I guess you can. There's some social media groups that. You could probably join on LinkedIn and Facebook, and um, maybe just watch watch what's going on. Like um, some people, uh, <laughs> you're gonna laugh, but some people, you know, you know, they'll be posting things with, with their biceps showing and their uh, stars flying and dynamite shooting all around, and telling like, huh, maybe I won't call that guy, but um, maybe there's some people that are answering questions humbly. Um, but aren't, <laughs> aren't promoting their clothes Their their next under contract deal, you know, every third day. Um, but honestly, I, I think people who are, people who are producing podcasts, people who are being interviewed on podcasts, people who are interacting on social media, like those things, you know, th- they're not doing it because they're like closed minded They're doing it because they're open to meeting people and talking. So you know, you might need to give up a couple of hours of your time, ask some people to we'll talk with you. But you know, you can you can
1: you can make some inroads. Totally, totally. That is a golden nugget right there. David, thank you so much because for of, adding especially the fireworks, right? <laughs> the fireworks that I did see that video. Uh but <laughs> David, thank you so much uh for adding value to our listeners and coming on the show. Uh if any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
0: Well, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm open to help people out. I mean, you can put my email address in the show notes if you want, but it's just dshirky at orbitform.com. Um I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn um, and happy to, I mean, I like talking about this, this topic. And so I'm happy to help people. And, uh, you know, you help somebody and who knows, they're probably going to share a deal with you down the road too.
1: So uh, happy to do that. Happy to do that. Awesome. Well, thanks again, David. Uh, That's it for today's show. Thank you all so much for joining us. See you, Andrew. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.